T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're here with Kate Diaz from CEA. Of course, Is it the largest teachers union in the state? Yep. We represent over 43,000 educators across the state. And we get to talk to you periodically. It's the first time we've met, so it's really good to. And this is this is the best part of my job post pandemic is people that I feel like I kind of know and right. I've talked to, and we've had some challenging conversations, some good conversations. I mean, I, I think you are. I will when I I reserve the right to ask difficult questions, and you've always been game about addressing them. So I appreciate sure. that. Uh, to me, you know, I I, to, I told earlier I have my Maloney athletic shirt underneath. <laughs> And I'm a Loomis Chafee sweatshirt above it. And for me, that, that's sort of a profile of me as a human. I went to public school, you, you know, first grade through 10th grade. And then I went to private school for 11th and 12th. And, and, and my wife is in education. She's worked in both public and private. My mom worked in public education. So I, I and I have three children, mm-hmm. right? And so who've done both public and private. So I feel like I've, I've had toes in the water of both. And I know you represent uh, the public school sector. But I, I do feel like, and you had the survey recently, and I, you know, the quick headlines are, you know, eighty-five percent of voters. This one was voters before it was teachers, correct? And the teachers one said almost three quarters are considering leaving, right, right. And then this time, eighty-five percent of voters uh, say that uh, teachers, the teacher shortage is is a serious problem. Sixty-five percent say teachers aren't paid enough. And so I, th- I thought it was a good um, excuse to have you in and talk about it. And I actually want to start with sort of a macro question. You know, are our public schools in a crisis? Well, I think the short answer is yes. I mean, I think we're, we're really facing a moment where if we don't fix these staffing problems, uh, we are really going to have catastrophic circumstances. We used to talk about a looming crisis, right? right? We used to talk about, oh, wow, if we don't do something soon, something bad's going to happen. Well, we're sitting in this something bad's going to happen. We're facing 1,200 teachers um, that, you know, vacancies. Nationally, we have more than 300,000 teacher vacancies. I think our public schools are in crisis because we need adults in those buildings to serve kids. And that's being shared. I mean, I would say that that is a crisis that's shared public and private, to be perfectly honest. So I think that's right. And I think that both the younger generation of workers, they want to have a really good balance in life and they want to make a good living. And, you know, so there's there's the issue of it's like almost the same as law enforcement mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. It's about respect. It's about money and it's about, you know, your long term, you know, ability to have, you know, a safe and happy life. I mean, between right. all the regulations in schools, between school shootings and and not enough pay, what what's attractive to it? How how 
and and these are not things. This is like turning the Titanic. I mean, you can't do this in a couple policy decisions. This is going to take a generation. Well, I hope it doesn't take a generation. What we know to be true is that if we can shift the narrative, we can make some, I think, quick changes. I think money is an issue, by the way. Um, we're facing some of the same dynamics we saw in the 1980s where there was a real teaching shortage. There was a crisis. Classrooms were... Um, you know, bur- bursting at the seams, teacher salaries were some of the lowest in the country. And believe it or not, within three years of the Teacher Enhancement Act, we turned into a surplus of educators. So this is an interesting thing that we know that if you infuse resources into public schools, you start having a dialogue about the respect level, that these are important jobs that we really need, we value Um, We trust the educators who are going into those spaces and we support them. And to your point, we start pulling back some of the unnecessary restraints that are keeping teachers from being able to do the things that we know they want to do in classrooms. But I want to put a pin in that one because I think that's a bigger topic. But when you say quick changes, what are quick changes that could be made? What and who pays for it? So say you want to introduce, you know, because municipalities decide who gets paid what. Yep. So how do you how do you pay them more across the state? Sure. Well, I think across the state, we we look at um, putting together an incentive package that um, directs money back to municipalities specifically for salaries. So you can target funds that go return to municipalities and say, listen, these monies have to be returned in the form of educator salary increases. So that the only way that, that districts can access that is if they guarantee that's where the money goes. Interestingly enough, though, districts are looking to find ways to raise salaries for the first time in my entire career. So why why aren't they then? Well, some of it is resources, trying to figure out where do we take from. Um, You know, we don't really have this massive pool of money sitting in municipalities. Um, th- well, last year and this year we do, but I mean because well, of the federal of those, government. But yeah, some of those get restricted right. also for what their their usages can be for. So I think we are looking to steady that stream um, and direct it and focus it on salaries. Uh, in places where they do that, you start to see people going back to those classrooms. Um, right now, our te- average starting teacher salary is just too low to be competitive. What? It, what? It, like what is? We're it? below fifty. And, you know, when you talk about, like, my daughter, for example, was a chemical engineer. When she graduated and we started talking about jobs, she was talking about, okay, with a bachelor's degree, professional, I, I should be above 60 to start. Um, our educators don't have the luxury of thinking, I'm going to be above 60 to start. And so I think that's part of the, even the national dialogue with the American Teacher Act. They're trying to say, listen, we've got to elevate so that this is recognized as a profession. Right. Um and not something that's sort of a public service for which we're all going to kind of just take it on the chin. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard, and teaching's hard. I mean it's not yes. it's not like it's an easy job. You know, <laughs> you don't true. you don't throw it you don't throw on a movie. You do that on a Friday, you know, the the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, maybe. But maybe. Uh, <laughs> listen, let's just uh, take a quick pause with Kate Diaz from CEA. And listen, if you want to call in and, and get Matt a question, we won't be able to take calls or email me at brian.shackman at odyssey.com, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Uh, we can try to get a question or two. I know it's a hot button issue for a lot of people, and I want to talk about the rules and regulations side of it in a second. We're back with Kate Diaz from CEA here on Brian and Company. You know, I haven't had a ton of exposure with – the administrative side of public education. I, the only experience I sat on a um, on a committee of my kids' elementary school in Braintree, Massachusetts, and then I I, I, I had an interaction through that with the superintendent and the principal about budgetary things and all the language between stakeholders and all the different committees and things that have to be done. I was I was 
blown away and, and frankly kind of saddened at how much bureaucracy there is to get anything done in our schools. And you talked about peeling some of those back. But then I also get a lot of people say to me, you know, the unions, they're so strong and they protect the teachers so much. And the, the pandemic was an example that, you know, everyone wanted to be safe, but then it seems like that that the teachers and what they say they need and want can be an inhibitor too. And I just didn't know if you wanted to react to that. So I think, you know, we get a, we, we certainly get that rap, right? The idea that we're out there um, and we do, we rigorously want to protect our teachers and give them the, the space to be the best teachers they can. Um, and sometimes that feels like a conflict, but I would argue that when it comes to the regulations, we're really on the side of how do we free up the education space to allow teachers to do the hard work. What does that mean? So give me an example of what's, what's holding them back. Well, I think our, our over-reliance on standardized assessment, where we do these annual forays that take 10 days of, of putting elementary kids in, you know, high stakes testing environment. Um, and we have to build towards that. You have to teach to it. Right. Absolutely. And while nobody wants to say that they teach to the test, our, our, there's no way around that. I mean, if that's how you're assessed as the viability of your district, the success of your district, everybody wants their district successful. So uh, you can't help but kind of lean into we've got to make this you know accessible and our students achieve. Um, but at the same time. Should we get time, rid of APs? Well, I don't think APs are the are the huge issue. I think it's the, the MCAS. Uh, I well, I mean, I I think we have stuff at the um, the smarter balance, the things that we do that take so much time. I'm not a fan of getting rid of all standardized assessment. I think this is a really important space where teachers can help contribute to the conversation about what are high value um, assessments that we do that inform instruction that give us the feedback we need to really improve our student learning without weighing us down. But that's, a, but again, like, and again, I, I focus on language. Those are really generic statements. Like we need specifics about what, what you would want and not want to be able to move forward. I mean, that, that makes sense, but that's also very generic. So how can you in a concrete manner move forward? Like, you know, like I know yep. a lot of private schools have gone away from the AP test and it frees the teachers up to teach so they don't have to teach to the AP test. Right. And, and that is, and, it, and, and they name the classes differently to show that they're higher level, but the, and the kids can til, still take the AP. That's a concrete move with a mm-hmm. concrete intention and result. I mean, so you just don't want to speak out about specific assessments that you think we should get rid of? or you're... Oh, no, I would definitely say that like the Smarter Balance assessment done annually um, is, is bogging down our school systems and, and our teachers. I think if we talk to even going to an every other assessment kind of model where we said, listen, we're not doing this every year. We're going to we're going to pull back because the point of assessment is to just sort of take, you know, dipsticks of, of progress. And we use them to kind of diagnose students. And that's not the intention. We have reading assessments that are done by our educators on a regular basis. They rely on those. They, they don't have a problem with those, um, but they're done in quick bursts by the educator to give them the feedback about student progress. Those are valuable. Get rid of these giant, immersive, school-wide, let's all stop um, and take you know, a test for 10 days. Those things are not valuable to us in, in the grand scheme of things. They're fine for periodic understanding of the systemic growth, but they don't do anything for us in terms of individual student performance. We're talking with Kate Diaz from CEA, the largest teachers union here in the state of Connecticut, uh, just about the state of education and our kids. And, you know, it's frustrating to me because it just seems that it's so difficult to to move forward. And it seems like change is always adding more regulation instead of 
You know, and I'm not making a political statement because I'm an independent and I'm not sort of, but I do sort of side with the, you know, I'm not a deregulator necessarily, but I, I think that there is too much. Instead of adding and adding and adding, it would be nice if somebody came in, whether a superintendent or a secretary of education, and said, how can we streamline? How can we simplify? And I think ultimately, whether it's your business or the business of education, there's so much money in it, it's it's hard to do that. Well, I think you hit on a really important factor. We um, There's a huge testing business out there that is really invested in making sure that nationally we are doing a lot of standardized assessment. People are making a lot of money by right. dumping those tests into schools. Schools aren't benefiting from them. We've had decades of standardized assessment that hasn't really changed the progress of any kid in this planet. But a lot of people have made a lot of money. So I think one of the things we're asking for is an actual assessment of what do we spend on on standardized testing in terms of time and money? And is that yielding us a positive outcome or should those resources be allocated? Would you have to do would you have to execute that study yourself? Nope. We're asking for the that to be done at the state level where districts report in. This is what our I mean, this is not a hard a right. number to who come you, up who with. Who are you asking? We're asking the legislature to include that in the, the session. Okay, and so you're lobbying to get yep. that done. Yep. And how likely is that to happen? I hope so. I hope it's very likely. Nevada did it, and it was just the idea, like, we talk about this, but to your point, if you want to make real changes, you have to know what you're talking about, and you have to know the dollar figure and the hours right. so that we can say, right. listen, we are wasting our time over here. Let's shift our energies to this space. So I think we need to start with a little bit of an understanding of the, of the problem and then talk about what are better ways to get this work done. Now, just really just a procedural question. I'm getting to know better and better the the way things work in Connecticut. Like, do you go to the Capitol yourself? Do sure. you? Yeah, you do. So oh, you, yeah. you lobby on on your own behalf because I I know there's a lot of firms that do do a lot of that work as well. And I I'll, I'm going to add that to my list of things to to keep an eye on. Well, we find that the most compelling way to understand education is to actually talk to teachers, and so we work really hard to make sure that. People like myself, my um, my vice president, our members really are constantly talking to legislators because, to your point earlier, public school is very complicated these days. And so it's incredibly valuable to have the frontline teacher actually communicating about what that experience looks, feels like, so we can make positive changes. A couple quick questions for you before we take another break, and this is uh, related to the union and the classroom, then we'll switch to the mm-hmm. kids in our next segment. You know, in terms of accountability of teachers, you know, and how the seniority ladder tends to protect teachers more and more, is that model, there's two model questions, is that model the right model? Are we evaluating our t- teachers appropriately? And the second question is, what is your feeling on, on not on, on doing like, like other countries and doing more of a, a year-round school type deal? So on your first question in terms of accountability, we're one of the most accountable professions in terms of sort of what goes on. We're repeatedly um, observed. People come into our classrooms on an ongoing basis um, to kind of assess what's going on in a classroom. Uh, We're working on our teacher evaluation structure because we don't love it, what's going on. So you're going to see some statute suggestions. and You don't see people getting fired for being a bad teacher. They usually have to break the law, break a rule, right? I mean, that's No, that's not true. No? No. I I mean, I think we do have, we may not plaster them on the front of a newspaper, but there's teachers who, if the practice isn't working, are encouraged to find another way to um, satisfy their desire to serve. And I think that 
that's not inappropriate. Not everybody's meant to be a teacher. It's a hard job. I, I was and, a crappy one myself. You know, and I think it's important to know that we are not in the business of keeping anyone in any person who wants to be in a classroom in a classroom. We're going to work with everybody who wants to be in there. But if it's not a right fit, we are going to encourage people to explore other options as well. Because I think we know that the best scenario is to have high quality, you know, high quality teachers that are excited, enthusiastic, and skilled in front of our kids. This is a hot button, and we only have like 30 <laughs> seconds, but is the nine-month model a good model? I mean, everyone, listen, my wife looks forward to summer like you would not believe. And kids need a break, right? So I don't know how I feel about it. It's not a leading question because I don't have an no, opinion I on you. it. I think it's a tough one um, because what we know is that consistency matters, but we also know, to your point, that there is a little break that's needed. So I'm not sure, first of all, Connecticut's facilities are prepared for a year-round school. Right. I mean, well, the HVAC we talk, is not. Yeah, we <laughs> talk about HVAC like, you know, it's my second career. Right. Um, but <laughs> to be fair, you know, you, you have to have an infrastructure prepared for a 12 you know, 12 month system. And, and we're definitely not there for that. Right. Um, in terms of academically, I'm not sure that the states that have moved and shifted to that model have really changed their achievement patterns in any significant capacity. So we'd have to really understand why we were making a shift of that nature. Right. Um, I don't, you know, to your point, I don't necessarily have a huge feeling one way or another, but I know that we have enormous physical barriers before we yeah. can even philosophically Listen, approach I know, it. I know the kids lose a ton in that three months, but I, I don't know I don't know how 12 months would work from a cost basis and, and a sanity basis. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I I don't know. But anyway, we've got to, <laughs> let's take a pause here with Kate Diaz from CEA. All right, thank you, Bob. We're back here with Kate Diaz from CEA. I mean, the time flies, and we should do this periodically because it's, it's really important. And I wish we also... You know, we're eventually going to get cameras in here and and do and be able to show people what happens in between breaks because our conversations often are even better off mic. Um, but I, you know, I, I want to. There's a lot of things we talked about off the air, but I do, I do want to bring up something we talked about off mic. Is that you? You think that when we talk about who's responsible, we talk about municipalities for pay, and we talk about you know you and the teachers for their own end of accountability. But you really think the state legislature, like if people are listening and they don't like what's happening for one reason or the other, whether it's pay, whether it's certain things in the classroom, they need to call their legislator legislator to get something done because you think that this. This session is really crucial. I do. I think that in order for us to kind of shift this, um, you know, the Titanic here as we're talking, yep. uh, we need to really have big moves. And that can't happen at, at a locale, like in a locality. That has to happen at the state level with a significant investment in terms of how we're going to do an infusion of resources to raise salaries, lower class sizes, uh, provide incentives for going back to school, getting that master's, or even getting a teaching degree. How do we remove financial barriers for people who want to get into the profession? Right. So I think this requires um, a big financial lift, and that only happens at the state level. You know, the other thing you talked about I think is 100% correct is this teacher shortage, it's almost a, it's a downward spiral because the more students there are, to teachers, like the higher the student-teacher ratio is, the worse the education gets. Well, I think it becomes more and more challenging. I, I I can speak from my own experience. When I had a class of thirty, I'm trying to keep the you know the ship afloat. I'm I'm working really hard to provide the best education possible. 
but I'm having a hard time. I remember in that space, I physically couldn't even get to all of my students because we're crammed into a room. Right. You reduce that to 20. I'm getting to know all of those kids. I can physically kind of connect with each one of them talking, know them personally, have a real sense of what the education looks like for them. And you can and, and customize. Custom- yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, the one thing I've learned is that in, in those big classes, often the, the student that is most underserved is the better student. Well, and I think I'll because they're like, oh, yeah. Johnny's fine, sure. so I'm just gonna let him be, and I gotta focus on well, on Susie like triage, over here, right? It's triage when you have a mass uh, of thirty kids, and you're trying to figure out how do I how, how do I move them all forward. You're triaging, and you're saying, okay, where's where's the kid who's falling behind that I need to try and and pick up and move forward? Um, and you're absolutely right, you know. There is sort of this level of, well, this one's okay, so I have to deal with the crisis, as opposed to really being able to cultivate kind of a very rich space. And what you see in well-resourced districts where families will not tolerate class sizes of 30, they routinely have the class sizes of 20. What we're trying to do is level that playing field and say, listen, if you're not a highly resourced district, you still deserve a class size of that's 20 because your teacher matters. And what we know, and and you'll see this, we've been doing a Because of a Teacher campaign where we know that teachers matter. Because teachers influence kids and help them grow, they are influencing the outcome of all of our kids. Teachers matter. And good ones, just like coaches. I mean, a, a good right. one is 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 worth their weight in gold, and and a bad one can set people back, and make. Listen, a a good teacher can make you love education. A bad one can make you hate school. Just sure. like a good coach can make you love a sport, and a bad one can make you hate it. And you know, I want to. We only have a few minutes here, but I, you know, and we'll we'll do this more next time because the kids are also a focus for me. Whether it's the yeah. social media or the technology or the mental health issues in general that are also coming out of the pandemic. And I, I, I was. We were talking earlier about you know, like as a coach, you, you can't scream and yell at them the way you used to. Right. And like you know, coaches and teachers have to manage the way they deal with kids and accountability and. And I guess the, the, I'll only stick with the macro because we don't have the time. But do we have a crisis? We have a crisis in our schools, but do we have a crisis with our, our children, too? I, I think we do in the sense that we're not giving them the skills that they need to really thrive. Um, they are really getting bogged down with the, the social media platforms and, and sort of an artificial reality. Um, and that really was. But you can't ban phones in schools. Of course not. But I, I wouldn't mind it, but you can't. Parents <laughs> I would wouldn't go, mind it at all, but we can't really go, do it. Right. Practically speaking, it's not going to happen. So what we're trying to do is really make the most of the time when we have kids together. It's why we really stress the importance of in-person learning is what we learned in the pandemic is that anything that starts to become too artificial, kids zone out. They're not understanding. They're not making the connections that, you know, human beings matter. And that ability to connect with one another really influences your ability to grow in not just academics, but in your ability to grow socially and emotionally. Right. And so- we really, you know, have really emphasized get kids back in classrooms, give us spaces to develop those relationships and take away the artificial barriers that are some often created online and just right. deal with people. Well, now you say it and then we have to go. But what I would say is like the classroom and the dinner table are like two of the only places right now where you can look someone in the eye. Right. And talk to them and force the children to do that. Right. And every other aspect of their life. They can be right here. Yeah, they can, and they can hide. They can hide from it on their phone or, or what have you. Uh, Kate, it's great. I mean, I have a million questions <laughs> left on the table. I guess the goldfish conversation took, took a little <laughs> well, time. Well, the goldfish conversation was important. So. Do, I mean, do you, do you guys have them in your? What? I absolutely had and killed many goldfish. <laughs> um, they took the the swirl. 
I uh, yeah. I mean, as much as as Bill Cosby is, what we've learned about him is not great. That 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 scene cool. in the Cosby Show is one With of the, the few, one yeah. of the best scenes in TV history. Kate, okay, thank you so much. We appreciate thank your you. time. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.